Welcome to The Vine Time with Melanie Bolduc. Today's guest is Tony Poor of Napa Valley. Hi, how are you? I'm good, Melanie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You are calling me from Napa right now at your house? I'm at home in Napa on Tuesday afternoon. Yes. I was just there last month. I forgot to tell you that when you were talking earlier. I was just there. I was visiting. Um, you might know Wesley Fox. Yes. Oh, yeah. I know. Yes. Oh, yeah. We went to Atlas Peak, and that's where I was. Absolutely. And I was at the Target in Napa for five minutes. It was raining the day I was there, so I ran I into Target, ran out, went to the winery, then took off and went back to San Jose. So I was nice. West West <laughs> is a friend of mine and a very good winemaker. He sure is, absolutely. So welcome. We were nice. introduced by Hunter Boone, we our were. dear friend, our number one guest on the Vine Time podcast. <laughs> Hunter was the first one. <laughs> You're talking. You're talking cr chronologically, but not not in terms of preference. So maybe maybe he's number no, one. No, no, he was. He broke them all. He, uh, he was just the first one. You know, it was funny, and it was this was kind of his idea, my idea, and so it kind of just came and it happened, and yeah. now it's blossomed into this beautiful thing. And so, how do you know Hunter? Uh, uh, we go back as um, purveyor and customer. I was the customer. He was the purveyor in San Francisco, uh, and I don't have a firm date in mind. I know it was roughly the early 2000s, probably around 2000. So we've right. known each other for, you know, close to a quarter century now. And you were um, managing but, yeah. a restaurant? I was, I worked in uh, four different restaurants in San Francisco between the 90, mid, well, 92, 93 until 2003. So over about 10 years. Right. And, and, Hunter, and Hunter was a distributor uh, and he would just, breeze in breeze out and we you know never he's hard to forget so yeah he sure we became is. friends and then we moved to when we moved to Napa Valley and those three uh, he and I uh, got even closer oh good and so uh, are you from California where are you from uh, yeah I am I'm actually from uh, born and raised in Pasadena um, okay. and yeah spent the first half of my life down there Southern California went to college yeah, down wow. there. yeah yeah you, you mentioned LA too but um, I was there yeah I never so, made it to Pasadena though uh, you never made it on well. No, no. Bad. I have a friend who's actually from very near there. Yeah. But I never made it. I kind of stayed in my little nook of, you know, the West Side. Most that. most most people that I know who who aren't from there but who've been to Pasadena have gone to the Rose Bowl flea market. So that's I was, that's you know, it's funny. I was invited to go to the Rose Bowl. My friend Leah Finkelstein will give Leah a shout out. She's an amazing singer singer in LA. She sings um, at that um winery that's on uh, the coastal route, what do you call it? Uh the highway that goes to Malibu. Um, there's a winery there and she sings there oh. every now and again. But Leah called me and she's like, I have these tickets to the Rose Bowl. Do you want to go? And I was yeah. like, you know what? I just didn't go. I should have. But that's a big that could be a big ask on a New Year's morning to have to rally and go to Pasadena. But right. And I didn't really I, do anything. I grew, up, years, I, but. I grew up uh five minutes away from the where the Rose Parade starts. And so the Rose Parade and the Rose Bowl are part of my Pasadena upbringing fabric. What brought you to Northern California? Uh, I was really interested in wine a long time ago, but before that, going to college in in Claremont in Southern California, I had a lot of friends who were from the Bay Area, and I just always itched to get out and um, go, and, well, certainly check out Northern California and San Francisco in particular. So I had a chance to do that during college, and it just, there was a draw there. I kind of like the Bay Area just as a change of scenery on um, change of pace and that's what got me out of southern california essentially was was right. ha having some friends in northern california the wine and the restaurant thing came a little bit later on 
Right. Oh, fantastic. And so where did you live in NorCal? You didn't go to Napa straight away. So you, were you in San Francisco? Yeah, San Francisco from 92 to 2003. So lived in the Mission and lived right. in Haight-Ashbury and Coal Valley. Yeah. So three three different places. Yeah. All good. I lived I lived right off of Haight Street and on Masonic Avenue. And that was uh, for about six or seven years. That was our bachelor pad to two good friends of mine. And I and uh, worked in restaurants at that time, and um, it was a different San Francisco. Was, what's I think San Francisco is constantly evolving and changing. And of I knew people back then in the '90s who were old school SF people who would say, "Oh, it's not the same as it was, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago." And right. there will be people 20 years from now talking about, you know, the good old days of the 2000s in San Francisco. Even now, right? Um, San Francisco is getting a bad rap. I don't want to go off into too much of a tangent, but the city is—it's a fantastic city. I'd put plugs in for it all the time. I think that Beautiful. you know. The uh, the the post coming out of COVID and the economy and all these people getting evicted from their homes and apartments it has not it's not given the city a good look uh, these oh, days. Oh, it's happening everywhere. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is. I just so San Francisco. Yeah, yeah there just there seems to be like a focus on how bad San Francisco is. Where actually it's just a little tiny sliver of sort of downtown and south of market is is pretty unspeakably. Um, upsetting to look at sometimes, but um, the city itself is, in my opinion, the city has not changed that much. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, in the early 90s, interestingly enough, I, my my best friend settled in Danville in that area. So it would be Danville, oh. San Ramon, Walnut Creek. And so I used to come to visit. And in the early 90s, I was a club kid. So I was all about going clubbing. And I was like, we got to go to this club and the mission. And my girlfriend, you know, who lived in the suburbs, was like, I don't want to go here. Right. <laughs> We're going to get killed. I'm like, no, listen to music. And so we did that. But then years later, when I had my older son, um, I was living in San Ramon. And we took um, we took a, the train in one day. And we went to San Francisco. We went to Haight-Ashbury. And we walked all the way from Haight-Ashbury down to the Presidio. To the Presidio. All the way mm-hmm. through the city. Did not feel threatened in any way. Anywhere. Yeah. We went to go ask someone for directions and he was Irish, of course, you know, like, of course, I always go back to Ireland with May. Right. And uh, then we ended up, it was fleet week. And so they had all the planes and stuff. And we had the most amazing day there. We were so lucky and blessed. It was a Sunday afternoon. It was really quiet. And there was just, you know, it was just safe and fabulous. There was nothing bad about it. You know? Yeah. 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 It's a wonderful city. So you ended up in Napa and are you producing wine now? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not producing wine. Uh, I'm affiliated and have have been for a long time with other wineries that make wine. Uh, okay. But I'm the brand, I'm, my title, my job right now since as of January of this year, uh, is brand ambassador at a winery called Minor Family, uh, M-I-N-E-R, you know Minor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minor Family Winery in Oakville started by Dave and Emily Minor back in the, in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I am. I have a hybrid position there. Uh, I don't do sales, but I do a lot of things that are sales support in terms of wholesale and travel and doing events. Uh, I do a lot of writing. I have a side career as a freelance writer, so I do some blogging uh, for the winery um, and do some hospitality, mostly trade-facing. Uh, so if you're a distributor coming in from out of town and you work with minor, let's say in you know Maine or Florida or wherever else. Uh, or you're a restaurateur from New York and you want to come to see Minor, I would be one of the people most likely to sit down and pour the wines for you and talk you through the program. Okay. Um, so that's a, that's a piece of it. So I'm sort of, you know, I'm doing different things on, sure. on, on any given day. And how long have you been doing this? Je- uh, je- almost one calendar year. I started in January, um, just after Martin Luther King Day of January right. of this year. 
That's fantastic. And yeah. so who do you write for? Uh, myself, uh, my mm -hmm. website. Um, and then for, I have written for a number of different outlets, but um, locally for the Napa Valley Register, mm -hmm. daily newspaper, and then uh, the Calistoga Tribune, which is a small uh, weekly newspaper before that. Uh, that I, mean, I did that before the Register. So mm -hmm. this is going back to about 2010 or so. Um, I had a I had a short a couple of short pieces published in Sabor magazine back in the early 2000s, uh, and and then bits and pieces in other freelance outlets. Uh, but the Register and the Calistoga Tribune are kind of the two continuing right. um, publications that I've contributed to. Although those are both now past tense for me because the the Register is our Napa Valley newspaper that decided to get rid of its wine features section. Oh. Uh, whichever brilliant hedge fund in Iowa owns the register, they decided right. that it was, they were losing money by having to pay people. So that job, and it, it was just a very sporadic landscape for me. So I'm not doing that anymore, but there is uh, a new publication through Substack called Napa Valley Features, which I encourage anybody who's listening to this or watching it to maybe check out. Uh, it's a free publication, although you can, because it's Substack, you can uh, voluntarily subscribe to it for a few bucks a month. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it's a, it's a Napa feature, not just wine industry. There's, you know, there's, as you would imagine, there's a big wine and food component to it. Um, but it's, it's feature length reporting on a variety of subjects. I've written one story for them so far, okay. um, which was very, uh, been lo a very long feature. Um, and I, I was very happy with the way it turned out. And, I, and that's the, actually the most recent thing I've had a, a byline okay. uh, to my name. So. And so your website is? Yeah, uh, al dente, like the, like the Italian pasta term. So al dente wine.com. A-L-D-E-N-T-W-I-N-E.com. And, it, and it's, a, it's a bloggy sort of thing on, on, on WordPress. And it's just, it's mm -hmm. kind of, again, it's like longer. I like, to, I like to write long feature stories and interview people and fill them with lots sure. of quotes. And, yeah, Fantastic. So, so what's it. happening in Napa this year? Talk, talk to me about the harvest and... Minor family yeah. lines and what's happening? Yeah, well, I mean, the 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 you know sort of thirty thousand foot view of it is that um, the harvest was late. <laughs> it was a very mm -hmm. late uh, year this year because we had such a cool win uh, winter and spring. Uh, lots and lots of rain, mm -hmm. uh, um, uncharacteristic. We had snow in Napa Valley right. and, the, and the mountains on each side, the Mayacamas and the Vaca ranges on each the west and east sides of the valley were covered in snow nine ten months ago so it was crazy it was like being in lake tahoe or, or in the sierras i mean it was really the snow level was was insane uh versus what we had ever seen before and we've been here for 20 years my wife and i so right. um yes yeah, so we had a wet winter and and but cold and it slowed and i'm not a you know a grower or a climate expert but i know i know that it really slowed the the physiological ripening of everything and the, and the growing season was delayed sure. so we had grapes we had sauvignon blanc grapes coming in at minor and lots of other wineries in let's say where they normally would be getting harvested around third or fourth week of August, they were a month late or three weeks late. Um, and so that was a theme at Minor Family Winery, but really up and down the valley, everybody was, was late. Right. And then it was very compacted. So, so when the grapes started coming in, in late September, October, it was a short time frame in which everything had to get harvested mm -hmm. because of the risk of there being rain in November. It's been a pretty mild, um, fall and winter now so far it hasn't been a lot of rain um but overall it's a late it's just a late year like that'll be the theme you know 10 years from now when they're talking about the 23 vintage in napa valley and probably up and down the west coast it'll be it'll be the year that was delayed 
Sure, um, sure. We were there the third week in October and everybody was scrambling to harvest and and, and I, Aaron Potts and I were trying to connect and it just didn't happen. Yeah, he was just so busy. He was yeah. like, you know, so guy. I was trying to catch him and it was like, he was just a busy guy. And yeah. so the people were still harvesting at that stage. So um, it, it's good vintage. Uh, yeah, yeah. So 23, you know, Michelle, our winemaker, um, Michelle Sheffrier at Bed Minor Family has described it as, like she told me of like kind of about halfway into the grapes coming in, because I did a little check-in with her and actually wrote a blog story about uh, just kind of a harvest overview at that point. Um, she told me that she was hearing from winemakers who were more old school guys who'd been men and women, both had been around for a long time, that it reminded them of old old school, like 90s vintages, whatever that meant. But essentially she's you know happy with the quality of the fruit. Uh, it's I think she described it as more of an potentially more elegant year in terms of the st the style of the eventual wines that will come out of it about a lot of balance on um, a lot of you know the growing season was was again longer than it normally would have been so it gave the grapes a, a chance to really ripen to full physiological ripeness mm -hmm. um, and that's about as technical as I would hope to, to get with it but yeah she she was she was very pleased and it, but but it was very challenging because of the because of the compressed time in which they had to bring the grapes sure 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 well that's fantastic so tell me about minor family wineries how, how long have they been around yeah they've been around since the mid 90s uh, the first vintage I believe was 97 and minor there well it, it's a there's a little bit of a backstory um to it as with any winery but Dave Miner is the owner. Uh, he founded it with his wife, his late wife, uh, Emily Miner, who were, was working in the tasting room at the, what was the previous winery at the time. It was called Oakville Ranch. And in fact, Oakville Ranch is still um, probably a winery that you've heard of. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very prominent um, uh, grape growing operation in the, Oak, in the eastern Oakville Hills, very close to Dolly Ball. That Dolly Ball is a very famous you know, brand, of course, mm -hmm. uh, very respected. So that's their neighbor. Um, but uh, Bob Miner and his wife Mary were the owners of that property and bought the Miner family winery, existing Oakville winery as it was being built. It was, it's sort of, the, the, those builders got, ran out of money, I think in, in the mid nineties. And so Bob Miner bought it. Bob Miner co-founded Oracle Software with Larry Ellison. So the Oracle tech company and, and that sort of backstory was always mm -hmm. a big part of the, um, the, the brand storytelling. Um, but Dave Miner, the current owner of the, of the winery had worked for Oracle software in sales or marketing down in Southern California and was doing that in the late eighties and nineties. And, and his uncle Bob convinced him to come North and help him run Oakville ranch winery. And Bob died of mesothelioma, I believe in 94, 93 or 94. So, and, and in his mid fifties, same age as I am now, basically he passed away, mm -hmm. but had co-founded one of the world's most famous software companies. And so, Right. Um, Dave and, and Emily met at the winery and it was still Oakville Ranch. They essentially converted it to a minor family winery right. uh, around 96, 97 and started making wine. And, and uh, the little side story is that Stagecoach Vineyard, which for, for a lot of you know, people listening or watching who know about Napa Valley vineyards, specifically Stagecoach is a very famous property up in the hills near Atlas Peak on the east side. I was just there. And That's yeah, and, and yeah, and so Jan Krupp, the owner, the founder and owner of Stagecoach, and Dave Miner were were friends or you know colleagues, and were and were he, he Jan Krupp was the grower, and Dave was one of his first great customers. So a lot of our grapes came from Stagecoach at the beginning. Oh, 
Okay. Uh, and it was heavy, as you would imagine, heavy Chardonnay, heavy Cabernet, you know, Bordeaux varieties. Um, but to this, but if you look at the minor website today, there's three different French-inspired categories: Bordeaux, Burgundy, and Rhone. Mm-hmm. And then we also make Sangiovese, red and uh, rosé okay. from, from that grape. So it's it's a pretty diverse portfolio at once. So how much how much property do they own in total? Like how many hectares? Yeah. The property is it's interesting. The, it's really it's just the winery itself, which is uh, on the on the side of a hill in Oakville. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no there's one tiny I, I believe it's a half an acre vineyard right in front of the winery and that's and the then only sourcing their fruit from everyone agricultural else. property yeah every this yeah. the winery is 99.9 percent source grapes from from all over california actually sure. yeah that's fantastic though that's really good um so you know what you've been working for them for a year and you're in a brand yeah. ambassador do you get to travel around a bit yeah i've done the, all the trips to date this year have been to Southern California. Uh, in my previous job, right. I, for 17 years, I was a national sales manager for another small brand. So I, I at that time, going from 05 till 2022, or uh, yeah, fall of 22, I was, except for COVID, I didn't travel for about a year and a half. Um, but I was in about 30 or so states. My, my motto is I've been everywhere twice, I like to say. Right, so, that's it. It's almost true, almost true. And so, but you... You have to go to on you've you been on the road for the past year, for example. Yeah, I mean I've been I've been at on the road. I've been in, doing events in Southern California mainly in San, San Diego, right. Los Angeles, Orange County. Uh, nothing out of state except going to visit our daughter who's a freshman at University of Oregon. Yeah. Um, we just started there. Um, yeah. But uh, this coming year in twenty four, I'm going to do some more travel to to support the winery sales uh, and distributors out of state. I'm going to go. Who's your distributor in California? RNDC, Republic RNDC. National Distributing Company. The national, you're with RNDC? Uh, yeah, RNDC, uh, just in California, and then probably a couple of other states, but um, we're not we're not aligned with them nationwide. But we're in about, I think we're in about 40 states. Oh, okay, good. Who are you in in Massachusetts? Do you know? That's a very good question. I have no idea. It's on yeah. our website. <laughs> Massachusetts, I'll find it. Massachusetts yeah, we'll find is an interesting state because it's the one state that, or there's two of them, but there's it's one of the few states that Southern's not in. Yeah. And it's because there's this company in Massachusetts called Martinetti, Martinetti Corporation mm-hmm. that they have 50% of the market share and they have all the pre-existing deals with, because they in Massachusetts, it's an open state that can sell liquor, wine, and right. beer all under the same umbrella. And they, and so they, whatever way it works, Southern isn't there. And I don't believe our NDC there is there, but that what happens yeah. is their brands are there. So Bacardi mm-hmm. is sold by a company called Horizon and our NDC brands are sold by other people. Yeah. That's why I asked. But it's interesting. Um, yeah, just let me know if you come to New England because I'm always I'm in Portland, Maine. Uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean Maine. I, I mean, I just said I'm half joking. Like I've been everywhere twice. There's a, there's only a handful of states I've never been to, and Maine is one. I think there's 12 states that I've not ever been to, either for work or just in my travels. Uh, and Maine is one of those. So I, I, I do want to get there. Yeah, well, Maine's a great place to visit, especially in the summertime. Right now, it's a little chilly up here, but you know, everybody wants to come in the summer, but it's, you know, it's slowly becoming a wine state, but, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time, it's been a beer and spirit state. Yeah. Uh, there's a company called MS Walker that's uh, pretty big on the East Coast, and Walker um, started with this little brand called Allen's Coffee Brandy, <laughs> and somehow yeah. they, the MS Walker just grew from this one liquor brand here in right. Maine that was sold at that time in state liquor stores, and now they have a really good wine portfolio and they, you know, expanded in different states or whatever the case is. But for a long time, Maine, it was a beer and spirit state, but now it's slowly but surely we're getting some organic grower champagne up here. In sure. well, and that's, and that's very important. If, if we can, you know, if you can't have anything else, you've got to have some grower champagne. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. For my friend. So it's all good. 
So what's your, what, you, what are you going to do next? I mean, you're you're going to continue with your job as you have. You're going to continue with your blog. I mean, if you can yeah. do anything that you want to do, what, what would you do? Um, I would like to just do more, carve out time for some more writing, some more journalism. I, I really enjoy, Visiting. you know, I, I like reporting. I mean, I, I sort sure. of, if I was going to do life all over again, I probably would have gone to journalism school. Um, and essentially what my daughter is- I was a film. I did film studies, and so oh, okay. which was pretty fun. I, and I and I liked the movies a lot. And I considered going to the movie business until I had some wine, and then I decided it was <laughs> the yeah. wine business. Was there you go. You should long time ago. <laughs> yeah, but but, you but know, I, I mean, I don't, you know, studying, I don't have a. I, oh, sorry. I was going to. Okay. No, I was going to say studying film back then is a totally different thing from studying film now. I'd say too. Um, yeah, well, yeah, and it was, I mean, I graduated in 1990 and it was, and it was a liberal arts film studies major. So there right. was a little bit of film theory. There was a little bit of uh, production. There was, I took a screenwriting class. Right. Um, I wrote my thesis on Bernardo Bertolucci, who's a director that I love. And, I, and I'm, I'm really into Italian cinema, among other things. So those are, those are, I mean, you know, college is a, is a time to, if you have a good time with it, even if you don't go into a specific career that you, something you studied in college or went to even grad school for. Just to make, just to hold on to those things that you really enjoy. And I, I love movies, and I also love jazz. And I learned a little bit about jazz music when I was in. I mean, I mean, listening to you, not for I don't play any instruments, but um, yeah, you know, the liberal arts education is there. There's a purpose to it. I think. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's not for I feel I feel fortunate to have gone through that type of education. Of course. Have you been to Italy? I have, in fact, yeah. I mean, I've traveled there a couple times, and I was uh, when I was in college. I. No, Italy's kind of my love. I I really like Siena. I've been to Florence once, and I did enjoy it. We happened to be in Florence for this thing called Bianca Noche, which is Mm -hmm. called it's White Night. And it's and what they do is they basically the whole city stays up all night, and they have you know musicians in the streets, and all the restaurants Mm -hmm. and bars and clubs and everything stays up all night. And so we happened to be there this one particular time when I was in Florence. But I really like Siena. I'm sure you you get a chance to travel there. Yeah, Siena. I did a couple of um, day trips when I was studying in Florence. We went there because, you know, as you know, mm-hmm. it's like right outside. It's far. I think it was a 20 minute train ride or something. Sure. Uh, but yeah, that was and with my dogs barking. Uh, that was 1989 <laughs> and, and the spring of 89. And, that, and it was Syrac- so Syracuse has a campus. There's actually quite a few American universities in Florence. Right. And I'm sure. Syracuse yeah. And there's a lot of art students that go there, too. Um, so did you learn Italian? I, I studied Italian for four months, yes, and I and I just did a I just did my Duolingo Italian lesson this morning. So oh, good. I try to I try to keep up with it. I do too. Every day, every yeah. day I do a little bit. So it takes a lot of discipline. You know, it, I got to tell you, you you think it doesn't, you don't absorb it. But then I was just in Sicily in October before we went to California, and um, then I started listening to the radio, and I I kind of I, even though I could get every third word. You know, you did think you're not absorbing what you're listening to, but you'd be surprised at how much you actually do. You retain yeah. by that little tiny bit every day. So it's consistency. You know, yeah. I love Italian. Yeah. I love Italy. I haven't I'm, been to that part of Italy in a while, um, but I've been to Venice twice. Okay. And I really want to get back to the Amalfi Coast at some stage, but we we should be back in Sicily by next summer. So. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fantastic uh, place to visit. I'm 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 a quarter Italian. My mom is half Italian. I had an Italian grandfather. Oh nice. Uh, and great and great aunt and great grandmother in North mm-hmm. Hollywood when they they lived there when I was a kid. Wow. Uh, and they and they spoke Italian around the dinner table with each other. Sure they did. Um, did they grow their own grapes? <laughs> no, no. Although actually, you know, my grandfather, 
made so he grew up in the low in Lower East Side in Manhattan. They when when they first immigrated from Italy around 1920, and mm -hmm. he made wine with his grandfather with his his father, my mom's great grandfather. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my mom's grandfather in New Jersey in right. the in the third during Prohibition, and they were mm -hmm. buying grapes from California. My grandfather, I mean, I knew my grandfather very well. He, he died in his 90s when I was in my uh, late, early 30s, I think. But anyway, he would tell me stories of, of they made the best wine on the block in New Jersey and it was very popular and they could have sold it they, so it was illegal. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, so that, so I have that sort of, you know, with, without um, nothing planned on my part ever to become a winemaker, but my grandfather was a That's funny, he planted the seed. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely did. He, he loved, he used to tell me he loved Dolcetto. That was his favorite. Oh, it's wine. my favorite. It's one of my favorite Italian ones. Absolutely. And hands down, I love Dolcetto. So where in Italy was he from? Uh, from near, uh, near Syracuse, Siracusa in Sicily. Oh, he was from Sicily. Oh, even better. Yeah, he was from yeah. yeah his, you his know, Mick Jagger was... just bought a house there. Oh, yeah? He did, and, yeah. All the cool kids are moving to Sicily. There, there you go. There's some, yeah. Um, he was uh, Sicilian. He was born on the, I think the story was he was born on the in in Catania, so just across the the whatever that strait is between the the mainland and Sicily. Yeah. And there was an earthquake in 1910 in Catania, and and his father, my great grandfather, who I didn't know, was a builder or a carpenter, and so a lot of these tradespeople, tradesmen, went over to Catania or to to the mainland right. in Italy to help rebuild this town or city. And my great my my great grandmother, who I did know, my grandfather's mother. Was pregnant with him, so gave birth on the mainland. But always said that he was born in Sicily because it was a point of shame that he was not born in Sicily. Um, oh right. So I don't know if that's a true story or not, but I, I knew her too. She died when she, she died when I was in, in high school. She was was she from Sicily too? She was originally she was from northern. I don't know where in northern Italy, but she was from northern Italy and met my uh, great grandfather named Antonio, another person, one of the people I'm named after. And uh, yeah, so they they but they might they moved south or they, she moved in with him. So. It's funny mm -hmm. in Italy how how that provincial mm -hmm. they are. They're like, oh my God, no, we, they're from Sicily. You know, we're from Catania. Yeah. Everyone who's from one place is it's the best place in the world. You know that type of thing. So I guess it's kind of like that here too. We get a little bit like that. I love I love how grape I love how grapes have different names all over Europe, and it could be like from one valley over or one town over, and it's the same grape and it has a different name. Ta talking about you know prevent that's another. Oh, absolutely. Or Norello Norello Mascalese is 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 actually written about. Um, it's named after Mascali, which is a mm -hmm. town that's right next to the, the place that we visited, which is Raposo. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's, it is funny, you know, but yeah. they, and they I, they were even saying that genetically, they don't even think Norello Mascalese actually came from Sicily. They think it came from, hmm. Northern, uh, came, it's a Sangiovese clone. That's what they think now. Yeah, yeah. So, like there weren't enough Sangiovese clones. Which your favorite part of Italy? I mean, I you know I, I would default to Florence because that's where I spent the most right. time. I mean, the, the city Sicily, of Florence though? is fantastic. I, I traveled, yeah. So I traveled okay. to I went to Tower I went to Taormina. I went there by myself. Um, on it was I did a, a a month and a half or so with a URL pass back nice. in '89. That's where I had finished school. Uh, the, finished out the academic semester and traveled with some friends and then kind of branched off on my own. And the two places that I remember going to on my own were totally opposite. I went to uh, Copenhagen. And I went to and I went to Sicily, and I don't think I think I probably stopped somewhere in between, um, but but on with my URL pass. But I, so just Taormina for a couple of days, and, and you know went down to the beach and 
walked around and I would, I mean, I would love to go back there. Um, and I plan on it. Um, Sicily, you know, it's in my blood. So some, right. I guess it kind of beckons, but uh, I think for a long time, it was a little downtrodden, you know, and you can kind of see that from being there. I, you know, I think for a long time, I think a lot of people left, a lot of people emigrated away from Sicily. A lot, you know, there was a lot of people left for a lot of different reasons, which I'm not going to discuss, but they did, <laughs> you know, a lot of people just went away and then, and then a lot of people would come there and visit and that was it. But I, even with the whole Mick Jagger buying a house in Syracuse, you know, it's like all of a sudden there's this was coming back on the map. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Cause it's really a, a beautiful place. It's so beautiful yeah, everywhere there. We were lucky yeah. enough to be at a harvest. My, my little boy came with me. Um, up on Etna with these hundred year old vines. So you'd think it's on a volcano, you know, vines don't last forever. Well, let me just tell you, there was like a 2000 year old chestnut tree on the top of this volcano. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. It was good fun. But um, so, you know, what's next for Miller Family Wines this year? Is there anything interesting happening? Are you doing any at, events? At, at Minor. Um, oh, minor we, sorry. Yeah, sorry. we participate in a lot of events outside. Uh, we do a yearly concert, uh, the Benedetto concert at what, Dave Minor. Uh, is an owner of Benedetto Guitars, which is a company okay. in Savannah, Georgia, and he owns a whole bunch of those guitars, and they're very collectible, and they're they're basically they're they're very beautifully constructed jazz guitars. Right. Um. So we do a yearly a concert every August. Uh. So I got to participate in that. I mean, just to show up and I helped pour wine and got to listen to some really killer music. Where's the concert? Um, it's on the back. It's on the back loading dock. They convert the loading dock. Oh, okay. In in Napa. In, okay. in 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 Oakville at the winery. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. Um. You know, we are going to do, I mean, there's a way to seg your question into like sustainability. I mean, I don't really have any agenda with it, except to say that yeah. we're, we're trying to convert to, we're basically buying, I was talking to Michelle, our winemaker this morning, actually kind of in preparation for this chat, um, that we're converting to lighter glass. We have, we're hundred percent solar. Oh, we have been all solar already. We've, right. we've even, I think we have the largest solar array in Napa Valley. That's fantastic. Uh, we have a 20,000 square foot cave, which took a lot of energy to build in the first right. place back in the late nineties. But, you know, we're completely, it's completely self-contained, doesn't require any refrigeration. Yeah. Uh, we do keg wines. So these, these sustainable features to the winery are, are happening and they're ongoing. And, and I think right. they'll only gather force and become more and more important. Sure. Um, and we're not that we're not the industry leaders in this by any stretch, but we are very actively participating in just trying to reduce our footprint. Um, and that's so. I mean, just kind of answer your question, like you know, what if there's anything new? I mean, okay, I, yeah, I, for I, sure. I don't, I don't know if there's any new. There's not really any new grape varieties planned. Mm -hmm. uh, we're we're very Bordeaux, Burgundy, Rhone centric for those, right. and, and Sangiovese, as I mentioned. So that's going to carry on. But you know, there's always new vineyards that come online or new offerings of grapes from growers to 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 sell to our broker who we buy our grapes from or directly okay. to the winery um but Absolutely. you know it's an interesting time in california wine because if you look at the the list of cal of grape varieties grown in california i mean it's a massive list and it's very very diverse and of course you know cabernet chardonnay sauvignon blanc zinfandel merlot whatever those things dominate uh, the volumes of wine that are produced in california every year but there's always cool stuff available that growers are working with and that are, you know, very, very feasible for California because of the climate, because it's of very, and just know, tell me, just really lastly, can you tell me about your winemaker too? You, yeah, you Michelle, yeah, so, yeah, Michelle, uh, Michelle Schiffer. So she's, she was the assistant winemaker for a couple of years under Gary Brookman. Gary was the longtime sort of founding winemaker going back to the late nineties. 
Yeah. Uh, he's re retired now. He's he's not. He's still around. His actually his daughter Rebecca is our assistant winemaker. She's former okay. in the business, but now she's uh, Michelle's assistant. So we have two, you know, very very, uh, very very skilled and conscientious and uh, um, you know quality driven women running mm -hmm. the show. And there's two of many other women in Napa Valley who are just kicking ass. Um, there's a lot of great female winemakers in the valley. Okay. Uh, Michelle's one of them, and so and she and she works at Visa Tui with you know very, kind of a, a very um, unusual uh, type of place, very commercial, very tourist driven. But but they they have a you know big active program, right. and so Michelle was their winemaker for a little while, and she worked. I want to say somewhere else, and I'm thinking of drawing a blank, but you can edit this a little bit out if you need to. But anyway, she's she's got a lot of experience um, with minor now for the like the last few years, and she's she's a really wonderful. Winemaker, I would love for you to be able to talk to her at some point. Oh, she's for sure, very, anytime. Very, yeah, very absolutely. Well I mean, we're all about girl power here at My Time TV, <laughs> the My Time podcast. Yep. Okay, so I ask all of my guests this, and I'll just ask you, what do you love? What do I love? Mm -hmm. uh, I love, uh, I love things that are authentic. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, yeah. Authent authenticity is very important to me. Authenticity. There you go. You know, across, across across the board, but I mean, across you know, the board, love, any I, specific examples? No, you know, I, I love I love to see like live music. I mean, yeah. especially especially jazz whenever I can. We have we actually have a Blue Note Jazz Club in Napa, which nice. doesn't have the best uh, rotation. I mean, there's it's full of awesome musicians. Not all the type of jazz I like to listen to, but I've I've seen a couple of things there that just speaking of authenticity are just mind blowingly you know great musicians. Right. Um, doing their thing. Um, but that could apply to, you know, going like going to someone's house and having a really amazing, you know, home cooked meal or sitting down with I, I did a tasting this morning up in St. Helena just because I wanted to get out. I um, got invited up to a small winery, the, a shared tasting facility in, in downtown St. Helena with three different wineries, all of which are fantastic. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, just very, uh, you know, authentic is probably the, the best word for it. So. Right. Just I have an appreciation for that. Well, you're in a, you're in the, the best place in the world to like food and wine, right? And so, so well, one, um, yeah, certainly, certainly one. Yeah. So I ask everybody else this: um, what What is your song today? My song today. Mm -hmm. The one that's in my the you mean the Christmas song that's in my head or? or well, it, it can be a Christmas song. It's your song. You get to pick it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've I've heard this kind of. A, there's actually kind of a Christmas theme to it, but I've heard and also jazz. I've heard. Green Sleeves, you know, which is that old English song, um, an English folk tune from the like the 16th century, but it's it's also very typical. Um, I don't know if you're hearing that song in your head when I mention it, but you've you've yeah. heard the tune before. Oh, yeah, so, so yeah, Green Sleeves. So check that out. So um, who's the artist? Well, I mean, it was written by. Uh, I just I literally just looked it up on Wikipedia a couple of days ago. Right. Um, Green but Sleeves. The, but the the jazz. I mean, so John Coltrane the. The jazz saxophone player has a very famous version of Greensleeves, um, but yep. because it's an English folk tune, it's sort of somehow gotten attached to the holiday season, uh, the Christmas season. So you hear okay. it a lot on the radio, and I just and it's funny because I just I've heard that I've heard different versions of Greensleeves just over the last couple of few days. So that's my quick answer for you. Oh, okay, well, there you go. This is your song. Yeah. So really quick, one more time. How does everybody find you? So on your website, it's eldantewine.com. That that's where yes. they'll find your blog. Uh, yes. Minor Family Winery, I, I presume, has their own website. Uh, they do, yeah. And, okay, and, yeah. and then uh, yeah. Instagram. Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, Tony is uh, T O N Y, and then L E T O E R. So Tony Lepore. All righty. 
and uh, minor family ones, I presume, has it. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, here is your song. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Molly. Appreciate okay. it. All the best. Nice to chat with you. That was fun. Thanks. Thank you.